are now listening to the Outsiders of Horror Podcast. Our friend, Mr. Meat Hook, Daryl. What's up, guys? And joining us, we have the master of splatter, Mr. Todd Sheets. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thank you. We have Satchel the Clown, Kate Phoenix. Woo! And we have the man himself, the man who will give Joker a run for his money. I'm talking about Big Ronnie. Mr. John O'Hara. Hey, 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 how are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me here. <laughs> Thank you all for... Hey, how are you doing? Thanks Good. for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out of your guys' schedules. I know being actors is uh, quite a task of its own. <laughs> and especially Todd, you like literally do everything. Oh, it's nuts. I don't, I don't, it's only because I, I plead insanity. I plead insanity and, uh, and I stick by it. Hey, he's a mad scientist. Constantly <laughs> at his work. You should see him on True. behind the camera. He's crazy. Just True, he never he sleeps. Never sleeps and he's focused for months at a time. He's a mad scientist. Not insane, just mad. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like you see Robert Rodriguez, you know, the guy writes, directs, composes his music, he edits the movie, and then you have Todd Cheech just like, hold my beer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> such a good way to describe him. If I had beer, yeah, I, I never drink. I'm such a nerd. But I, you can hold my tea. That's it. Uh, <laughs> tea, tea works. Yeah. <laughs> So we we are now what three months I believe from when Clownado will officially be dropping on uh, DVD um, at September tenth I believe. Yeah, somewhere in there. It's like it's like between. It's like it's like somewhere right in there. It's like between the tenth and the seventeenth. I know that. Yeah. So for for those who haven't been able. to to whether it was shown at a convention or a special screening, like this is a movie that you do not want to miss. Like, this is probably going to be m- one of my favorite movies of the year. Yay! Wow! Thank Yay! you for that. Yeah, we wow. definitely appreciate it. It's definitely so. my favorite of the year. <laughs> wow! Yeah, because yeah, Daryl Daryl went to the LA screening and he got back to me. He's like, "Dude, you're going to love this movie." Because I'm a really big fan of Bone Hill Road and a few of the other movies. I'm like, well, that's awesome. And then sure enough, it was playing here at Cinema Wasteland. And which is, there's a funny story. So people went there thinking, oh, you know, it's just a typical horror movie. They showed the trailer for, uh, I believe, House of Forbidden Secrets first. And they're like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Then they showed the trailer for Dreaming purple neon and a bunch of people walked out <laughs> they, they thought it was just going to be too much that is so funny and this is a cinema wasteland what's wrong with these people I, I, I don't I know what they go there for 
Yeah, I mean, I, I used to go all the time to Cinema Wasteland, and that was what it was all about, was the the further over the top you could go, the happier they were. Yeah, That's pretty I, I funny. I, I personally love the convention. Like, the fact that they do it twice a year, uh, it's barely cheap to get into, and they show some really good movies that you may not see otherwise. Like, oh, the, yeah, this was... I, I agree. Like, this was their Saturday night attraction, I believe. It was like... American Psycho, and then Clownado. <laughs> yeah, it's true, yeah. I was really thankful to Ken because uh, he and I have been friends a long time. and That was one of the conventions, the first ones I, when I got back into it, uh, he brought me out there. And I had a line the whole weekend. It was crazy. I was like, I didn't even know that many people like this stuff. And But the Cinema Wasteland was kind of our crowd, which is what surprises me when people were like, oh, my God. Because, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Dream Purple Neon is definitely a... Uh, it is, a, it is a divider, though, because that movie is probably so intense. I mean, it's even more intense in some ways than Clownado, even though I think Clownado is just as intense, only, you know, in a different way. But, I mean, the whole drill in the butt thing. In, uh, in, <laughs> I mean, that, people will run for the exit screaming, I think, sometimes. I didn't expect it at that convention, though. I expected them to embrace that crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it uh... It became quite real when people started leaving that they were not expecting it. <laughs> but you know what? They they missed out because that was probably the best two hours that I've sat in a movie. Wow. That's that's really cool. Thank you for that. I'm on behalf of everybody that worked so hard. I mean, seriously, we sometimes we didn't know if we were gonna make it through this thing just because Honestly, we didn't have the budget we needed, and and it's hard when you don't have the money you need, and you're pushing, you know, and you're trying, you're struggling, trying to get through it. So, to hear people enjoy it that much is very rewarding, honestly. So, I, I guess with the, with the first question, like, obviously, the budget was not your typical budget. I believe it was a ten thousand dollar budget that ended up. Um, well. Happening. Well, when we first started, it was like we had been doing the Indiegogo and we were kind of successful on, but we've never really, I mean, we've never gone like way overboard on Indiegogo. Like for, for uh, Bone Hill, when we started, we started with 13,000, but on this movie, we started with 7,700. So it was, a, it was like close to 8,000, but not quite. And I was like, oh man, well, we're going to go anyway. And while we're filming, it'll trickle in. And it did, which saved the day because there was times when we would have to do effects like three times in a row. Like we would have, you know, a special effect that wasn't prepped or didn't work right. And you'd have to buy all the stuff and do it again and things like that. So I was starting to sweat, but it ended up working out at the, in the end, which thank God. And, uh, but we just, you know, we just plowed through it anyway, money or no money. We were like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to make it work. Our window of time was fairly limited, and I'd already given everyone the schedules. And with John, his schedule is so different and difficult that you have to stick to a schedule when you give one to him because he can't. Uh, he's not as flexible on certain things. Uh, he is at, at the beginning, but then, like, if you start changing dates on him, then he's like, oh, hell, you know, I already got all this <laughs> locked in, and now what am I going to do? So I made sure we try, or at least I tried to stay on schedule as much as possible just to make sure that everybody, and then we had Kate and Eric, coming in from Florida and, and Gene was coming in from Arizona. And so you get these people coming in We had Eileen Dietz coming in from LA and you can't 
go changing their schedules. So you just have to stick to it and work it and make it make it work one way or the other. And that's where everyone pulled together. And it's like, you know, I was always apologizing because I felt like I was grumpy, but I, I guess I wasn't so grumpy. But I just I'm I'm always so easy going on the set. I'm not a screening director and I'm not a I'm not a pain in the butt director. I I, I want to work with people and collaborate and make something special. And uh, there's no way to do that if you're being a tyrant. So we, we work together on things. And, um, and I make sure that you know, I just want to get that vision that's in my head, but I want to do it in a way that, you know, I'm open to interpretation too. So if someone has an idea for their character or whatever. So all that plays into, you know, what we were trying to do. And I just felt like I was so stressed that, you know, I was feeling kind of grumpy. But I guess everyone tells me I wasn't. But that's the grumpiest I'd ever been on a set. If that if that explains anything to my he he to my apologized to us. I was gonna say yeah, he apologized to us so many times, and we're like, Todd, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're, you're super chill. I don't know what you're apologizing for. <laughs> it's true um, because uh, to me, like the actors are so important, and really, I I I almost I I kind of baby all the actors, but there's a reason, and that's because I just find them. You know, without them, you don't have much of a, a story or a movie. And um, with them, you can do some pretty magical things that sometimes people overlook. Um, and, and for me, the, the story and the characters are just as important as the gore. And you have to you have to do both. Sometimes, you know, huge gore hounds, people that you know, over on the unearthed films group. You know, they're all, some some of those guys are just like, well. It's, you know, this this got too much plot. You know, they. I'm like, well, if you're not telling a story, what? I mean, even you know, you say you love Fulci, but he had stories, and it wasn't wall to wall gore. So, and that's kind of one of my big inspirations. I wanted to have a good story, and the actors bring that to life. And so you have to, uh, you know, you have to give them every, uh, you know, every, every possibility and every, I think, I think every inch of your heart, you have to be willing to. Kind of, I don't, I'm not saying let them take advantage because sometimes you get actors that are pains in the butt. That happens. But all the guy, all the people, I would say 99.9% .9 of the people that I work with are not that way. And uh, and if I notice that any kind of diva behavior, I'm like, well, we're going to kill that character off <laughs> because I just don't want it to affect everybody. Jeez, uh, but it's a wonder I made it so long. Jeez. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You're one of the best. What are you saying? You're fantastic. <laughs> I think everyone can agree. John is um, a, a professional. He's a, he's an incredibly talented. And you know, I remember when I was writing Big Ronnie, and I had such a worry. And I'm like, God, I hope John can do this. And I, I was talking to our <laughs> producer Amanda, and I'm like, uh, you know, we got to get John in here to do this. And I've been promising to do a, you know, that I wanted to do a a major film with him he'd done some short films with us and stuff and i was like i want to do a major film with john and and i remember uh you know worrying so much that his schedule wouldn't allow it and i was like if he can't do this movie i, I don't know what i'm going to do i mean how, who else can i possibly get for this part and um he uh he did it and brought it to life in ways that no one could possibly believe until they see it and um and that's kind of the same you know i wrote satchel for kate I knew Kate and I wrote that part specifically for her. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, there's no one else. If, if, if she can't do this, then, you know, I'm in trouble. And so that's kind of what happened with a few of these actually, you know, because I had, you know, and then 
you know, I knew Eric as well. And I'm like, oh boy, Eric's going to do this and he's going to have fun. And, and I'm going to, so I, I knew kind of going in, these are the people I want involved. And if they can't do it, then I'm, I'm going to lose the vision I have of what I, you know, of who I want. But I did feel like, like they would be able to carry it. I did feel like they would, they'd be able to handle the characters and, and take them to the next level. And like Nate, I, I, I was like, Nate, you gotta, you know, you gotta, we gotta get Nate in here because Nate, Nate could do it. You know, he could, and Nate could, he's, <laughs> he brings the crazy, he brings the carnival crazy. And for my clowns, especially. And then the other thing was, I was like, who's going to play Savannah, the girl that's opposite big Ronnie. And I, and I knew I was like, you know, as soon as I, I was like, I really want Rachel to do it because Rachel had worked with us before and she had done a small part, but I had a feeling she had a spark even on that small part. And I said, I think she'd be perfect for Savannah. Let me see if she's up for it because Savannah's, you got to be kind of brave to play either Satchel or Savannah because these two parts, uh, you're doing some crazy stuff and, um, and there's nudity involved and there's crazy stuff involved. And, uh, and I knew Kate would do it. I'd seen some of her other movies and I was like, Oh hell, Kate's going <laughs> to be able to do this. There's no doubt. No doubt about it. <laughs> but, but, uh, but Rachel, I didn't know. I was like, you know, Rachel, uh, she's new to this. I don't know what she's going to think. And she, uh, she trusted me. She'd never done anything like it. And she said, you know, I just, I got a feeling about it and I trust you and I'm just going to let you guide me. And, and, and I said, well, thank you for that. Cause you'll, you'll have a hell of a ride. And we did. And, uh, and she took it and I'm so glad because once she took it, then I started writing it. Like I went back in and started changing Savannah a little bit more to, to match Rachel and, and her strengths. And, uh, and that was my final rewrite when I was kind of getting everyone's strength in there. And, and I think it turned out, you know, pretty, pretty amazing. And, and, you know, we have to mention Dylan also because her part, you know, it, it, it was also the, the, the girls in this movie were brave and they were tough about it. And, and they embraced it, and they didn't. They didn't look back. I mean, there are no taboos on a Todd Sheets movie, for God's sakes. If, if we can have a, if we have babies, <laughs> babies and midget clowns ripping out of people, and all kinds of crazy stuff going on, and there are no tab. We stick drills up people's butts. There's no. There's no taboos in these movies. Teeth studies. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The, the, the <laughs> demon, demon. Well, that was my homage to uh to Mausoleum guys. That was my Bobby Breezy. Uh, the, the the boobs that bite. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. it, it was it turned out amazing though i i love that i love that it's it's a showstopper people just stop and just like uh whoa <laughs> they don't even know what to say that's when that's when you know you've got an audience when they're speechless and they start applauding that's like okay we, we did okay all right so um obviously your films aren't really based on the scares um but can you run us through like how you construct like your effects or if there are like a scare moments that you want uh set up well like in bone hill uh when we did bone hill road and some of the some of the longtime fans of our films from extreme entertainment were a little disappointed because it's not a gore fest it's it's got suspense and we're trying, it was very character based. It was a werewolf movie. So I was making a monster movie and I wanted to concentrate on the monsters. And if I had like a ton of gore, I felt like it might take away a little bit from the actual monsters and the, those great, incredible suits. And, and I also wanted to have suspense and I want you to care about, in order to, to have suspense, you have to care about the characters. You have to have a story. And uh, otherwise there is no suspense 
because you don't care. You're just waiting for the next gore effect. And so for, for us, you know, in Bonehill Road and in Dream Purple Neon, there's a few spots like that too where we have a lot of suspense and it's all about, you know, setting up <clears throat> the dynamic for that. And uh, it's a combination of, you know, it's, it's kind of like they talk about comedy and the punchline and you have to have good timing. And uh, people don't realize for, for horror, you have to do the same thing. The, the horror and comedy are very close together and very similar. And uh, the aesthetic is very, very near with each other. So you just have to kind of go in and you have to be able to set up that timing, uh, especially for any kind of jump scares or suspenseful moments when something's supposed to happen. You need to set that timing up. And it's nothing better than seeing like Bonehill Road with an audience who's really into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, something happens like even just closing the, the, the back of the car, they have the, the backup, you know, the trunk and they, she closes it and the daughter's standing right there and it just shocks somebody, you know, and they jump or whatever. That, that kind of stuff, just setting up those moments. It's kind of a joy for me as a director because those are the parts, uh, when you get a visceral response from your audience that's not just gore. I mean, gore is great, and, but, you know, there's so many people that do that and you're going to get a great response from your audience because you just gross them out. What about getting a response from your audience because there's an emotional connection or a suspenseful connection where they're surprised by something. It makes them jump. It makes them scream. Or there's an emotional connection where they find themselves caring about a character in a movie that costs like $12. So that's the big thing for me is to try as an artist to, to connect those moments uh, for, 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 you know, for you guys, for the audience that's watching it. That's a challenge. All right. Well, now joining us, finally, uh, <laughs> issues. You know, our listeners are, you know, used to it by now. Miss uh, Dylan Harvey, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad we got the technical difficulties out of the way. <laughs> Thanks to my husband. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jeff, for all your hard work. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that. I got both Dylan and Kate. For, for the 80s, a lot of people saw Lynette Quigley and Brink Stevens as um, sex symbols. How, how do you two feel that you guys are now like the underground sex symbols for our generation? <laughs> that's been something that's like really crazy to think about and that because like Linnea especially is a role model you know watching her in those movies I'm like that's who I want to be she's freaking badass and she doesn't care and she just you know takes any role and runs with it and she's so freaking amazing so you know to have even someone think of you know a possible comparison to that is like whoo <laughs> it's overwhelming and you got to meet her too so that was kind of cool <laughs> yeah. because you guys both got to work with her yeah yeah she's super sweet she's very awesome how, how do you feel about dialing because you of pretty much everyone that's worked with todd um has pretty much shown the most skin i will say <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i just guess i don't really think about it i just have fun to be honest, I don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know? No, not really. I just go do what I like doing, and I have fun doing it. And I, know, I think it's cool if people think that way. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I never really saw Linnea as 
or anybody really as a sex symbol. I think we're just all out having fun doing what we like doing, whether it's showing skin mm-hmm. or not. If that makes any sense, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, no, it, it does. Yeah, it, it does, and it's fair enough. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm not sitting there Googling over them like, oh, titties or anything like that. Just, hey, she's getting, but she's it's, getting done it's and dirty. Empowering time, too. So, yeah. John just laughing. Wow. <laughs> Lord. Uh, Daryl, you have any questions or? Oh, I got a couple. All right. The uh, first one's for Todd. Um, so, uh, Linnea's character obviously is named Spider. Yes, sir. Which is her character in uh, Sorority Babes on the Slime Bowl Ballarama. So I was wondering if that's just a tribute to Dave Dakota or if they, if Clownado and, and that movie now exists in the same universe. It's interesting that you'd say that because uh, Dave Dakota was my mentor um, way back in the day. I'm talking right. like 1991. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing and taught us so much and was so um, such such a good person. He's like a member of the family, really. He's He's part of... I know he's part of my family um, because we, uh, you know, we connected in that way. Um, he was just so kind and so giving to a kid who obviously looked up to him. He was such an inspiration. And the same with Fred Olin Ray. You know, Fred is a, is a special person and just fantastic. And you know, I looked up to these guys, and I was this goofy kid who was calling them and saying, hey, check out my stuff. And they saw something in there, some kind of spark, and they've, they've been so supportive over the years. And... Um, you know, so when it came time for Linnea, who's I've known for 20 years and we're friends, and I think the world of her as well, I kind of wanted to do something that was an homage to the past, to when I first met them, and that would kind of connect that era to this era. And, um, and, and you know, movies like Sorority Babes and Creepazoids, they inspired things like Clownado. Of course they did. I mean, they... You know, anyone who watched USA Up All Night knows that that's kind of one of the things. Um, so I felt like I wanted to pay my respect to that past. And that's why I went ahead and... Well, there's some weird noise coming through there, isn't there? Uh, I, I think the, uh, Dylan has uh, her speaker up. Oh, yeah, turn that down just yeah, a hair. Yeah, getting some feedback. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was um, it was that time that I was paying homage to and those people who I, you know, I loved very much and and who I wanted to bring kind of a nod to in in Clownado, and so that's why she be, she kind of reprised Spider. What's Spider doing now? And I thought, what would Spider be doing now? Well, she'd probably own a bar. And it'd be rough and tumble, and it'd have strippers and all kinds of bad stuff going on. So that's where that came from. Okay. I kind of want to know if she's going to be in sorority babes too. I'm, yeah, that, I'm sure hoping so. I'm, I'm kind of excited because the weird thing is, I think it was the year I met you. Maybe not, Daryl. Maybe it was the year before I met you. But I took a script out there and gave it to Charlie. Charlie Band, and mm-hmm. I gave one to Dave Dakota, too, that was for Sorority Babes, too. And at the time, Charlie, he was doing other projects, and he said, well, I don't know if we're going to do that or not. And just kind of, he didn't really know if that was something they were going to pursue at the time. And here it is a few years later, and they're pursuing it. 
and I got so excited when I saw it because I was like, maybe in some little way I put the spark in there to get him to realize, because I kept telling him the fans would love this, and he Absolutely. just wasn't sure. And I remember, you know, over and over again saying, it's, this is something that people want. Then he put the Blu-ray out, and then I think the success of that and people loving the movie again, I think kind of opened up that door for him. And he was like, okay, yeah, maybe I helped him some little way to get that spark going, I hope. <laughs> All right. Um... John, take us through your mindset getting ready for Big Ronnie, because it, it's very much a Joker-like character, but like to the extreme. <laughs> John, are you still with us? John, is we lose John? Uh, his mic is, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. There we go. There he is. Okay. Uh, I think that uh, this character, Big Ronnie, is, is a character that I've wanted to play my whole life. Uh, I, uh, when I saw the concept for the film of Clownado, uh, I wasn't even involved in it. And Todd was doing the uh, Indiegogo and the GoFundMe part of this of, of the of the movie, and he kind of put a concept out there, and I was like, wow. And I just seen Bone Hill Road. I was super impressed by what I saw there in Bone Hill Road. And um, I thought, man, if, if you ever asked me to do something again, I'd, I'd love to go back and do it. I'd done some stuff earlier. But uh, I, I saw that concept, and I was like, this is the first time I'm going to actually buy a DVD and a T-shirt and crowdfund something. And it was about a month later that Todd called me in the middle of the night and asked me to be part of Clonado, and then I had a big part in this if, you, if I wanted to do it. And everything just kind of fell into place. Actually, this is a huge dream for me to be a part of this movie. Huge, big, I brag about this all the time. Because this is a character that I've wanted to play my whole life. And Todd actually saw that. Saw that I, you know, in some way, saw that this was something that I wanted to do. And I was able to, and he told me this later, I was able to bring everything out that I can do from one extreme to another. Either just angry or crazy or weird or wacky or villainous or uh, murderous, any level I wanted to be, I got to be this inside this movie. So when we started out, we did a, a group reading, and I just read the reading in my own voice. I had no idea what I was doing. And Chris, who I killed, the movie, um, he has this real uh, gangster-style sound to him. And uh, and I kind of been running this stuff by some friends of mine. What do you think I should do? And and that was exactly kind of what Todd wanted. He sent me uh, some videos of some old gangster movies, some old 1940s, some film noir style movies, um, of some actors, some James Cagney, some some uh, some uh, uh, other characters. And I kind of grabbed for each of those. And through the film, the character actually develops even more. He develops getting a little bit crazier and a little bit crazier. At the first, I'm kind of like an old film noir style, gangster style, angry man. Because I just <laughs> found my wife cheating on me. And uh, I get to rough her up a little bit. And then once I get in that clown suit, man, it just changes after that. You know, I got in that clown suit. The first time there's a scene they, uh, in the circus tent. Uh, man, I come out and, and, and my clown makeup, and 
boom, there's a circus tent inside this air, airplane hangar, which was absolutely fantastic. I could not believe. I was like, this is it. This is the big time. We're doing something future. And I think just really my, my character evolved from putting the costume on, and I just got a little crazier. You know, here I am in, in the circus tent. Uh, there's poor Rachel Leg in there. Uh, she's a great actress. Uh, I'm torturing her through this. And I just kind of get into the act. And then when I get to the best later on, uh, after the clownado attacks us, we're burying uh, her boyfriend's body, uh, Rachel Lagan's boyfriend's body. It, it just even gets crazier. And I get to just do what I want to do. And that's kind of how, how it all developed. And it kind of happened naturally. Over. <laughs> yeah it's definitely a memorable performance like i, I remember getting out and telling daryl i'm like oh my god this is like so much better than joker oh i actually i actually said you need to do a joker movie john hey, stole the freaking place? show he, <laughs> he did he uh commanded the camera to me and said Hey, Todd's planning on doing some sort of thing with a Joker's part. <laughs> if you ever want to do that, let me know. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. But yes, thank you so much. I'm actually very honored to be a part of Planado and any of Todd Chief's movies because he is, he's getting there. He is been there. He's is there. He's actually doing a great job, and I want to be a part of this one he's, he's done here. Uh, just wonderful, and I want to thank Todd for letting me be a part of Planado and being Big Ronnie, because that's uh, that was my dream role. Uh, I love being that weird. <laughs> it was cool as hell. <laughs> All right. Well, I have to say, honestly, that that's the thing, is bringing a character like that to life does require the ability to just let go because you're doing things in front of people on the set and you feel completely out of your mind. And sometimes it's, it's just hard to do it and to just to let it go. And, you know, Di Lin's experienced that early on, um, on Dreaming Purple Neon. And I know Kate experienced a little of that, but you have to just say, screw it. And you just have to embrace the character and become the character because anything else, it just isn't, it, it, it just isn't working. You know, you, you have to be able to let go of your, you know, your fears and and your you know shyness because you have to be totally uninhibited you have to be able to go in there and just rip it apart and uh, i was lucky in that regard with with john and and with everybody really on this film um had the ability for the most part to be uninhibited and come in and just do what they needed to do and you know we we don't talk a lot about it but gene silver um she had to overcome a lot of things she had to speak actual latin in this movie and she had to overcome a lot of, uh, you know, she'd never done anything like this before where she had that much dialogue of Latin and all this stuff. And, and with her, the help of her friend Aileen, you know, they, they went in and just worked it and worked it and worked it. And there was a, a friend of hers, too. I, I can't remember his name, but he went in and helped her, too. And there was, um, you know, Jean, I think, was also brave to do this film because, you know, we put her through hell and, <laughs> and tortured her. And she uh, she did an amazing job and uh that's the thing is you know people sometimes forget you know the the drive-in stars of yesterday but i i never do that's everyone's like who's who do you want to when i had a budget the very first time they said who's your dream person to work with i said really ray moore and i'm on the set with dolomite but that's because that's those are my superstars you know those are the people that influenced my life and that i love dearly 
Um, of course, I'd love to hang out with Tom Cruise because I'd like to film a movie with him someday just because I love his acting. Um, but to me, Rudy Ray Moore is my Tom Cruise. You know, that's my, that's, that's my superstar. And so, Jean, I met her at Cinema Wasteland we spoke of earlier, and we hit it off, and we, were, we had this, such a good time there and laughed so much. And I told her, I promised her, one day I'm going to put you in a movie. And I always, when I do this, I always keep my promises to these, these stars that I admire so much when I tell them. And Diane Thorne, you know, she was in House of Forbidden Secrets. I had Ilsa. And, and her husband, Howard Maurer. And, and I remember telling them, I'm going to put you guys in a movie. And they say, yeah, we hear that a lot. I actually did because that's what it's about. And that's why, you know, extreme entertainment has such a good reputation is because we always follow through like that. And we, you know, I keep my word with people. Sometimes it may take a while because I have to raise funds or whatever, but I always keep my word. And these people, I think, appreciate that. And so, you know, you, Jean Silver was someone that I remember when I first cast her, everyone's kind of like, what? What do you, who, why? And, and I'm like, just, you just see, she's going to bring this character to life. I wrote the character specifically for her, the, the autumn moon spell, the witch, the gypsy witch. I said, you watch. And she did. She brought it to full life. And I don't, they wouldn't be the same movie without any of these guys. That's the thing that I really want to stress to people is, it's important who you work with and it's important who you, you know, I've got a stock group of people that I work with a lot. And there's a reason why I work with Dylan on, on each movie, or I work with Antoine on each movie or people like that. It's because I trust them. They trust me. Um, and we know we kind of have a shorthand, you know, and we know that we're going to be able to deliver something together that, um, you know, you don't have to go through that whole process of trying to relearn each other. You, you, you know, mm -hmm. I, I know I can go, hey, I'm going to call Dylan. She's going to do this. Like we were talking about the next film, she might be a villain. And she hasn't been a villain in a while. And she was a villain in, you know, Dream of Purple Neon. But this is a villain that goes way beyond that. This is like a chewing the scenery kind of awesome, crazy villain. And I'm like, I, I think she'd be, in, I think she would do great in that part. And, and it's because I know, you know, she's going to, she's not going to be afraid to take the step with me. That's why. I'm already excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's going to be something. <laughs> so, Todd, I, Todd, I know you have to get going here soon. So um, I got one last question, at least for you. Um, is there any one of your movies that you would like to revisit, whether it be a higher budget remake or a sequel to, um, kind of leaning towards a Clownado 2? <laughs> <laughs> well... It's it's really strange because um, every movie you make is kind of like a kid in a way. Um, it's a creation that did not exist until everybody came together and worked hard to bring it to life. And so, you know, I kind of disowned all those early movies I did before 93 because I was just a kid and people were so mean to us. I mean, we were making these these movies on like $500 or $300. And we, we were literally kids and they got distributed worldwide. So I had a lot of people that were very mean to us. That they, One guy said if I ever picked up a camera again, he'd come to, to where I live and kill my mother. And uh, these these guys oh were ruthless. And so I I really... It really made me feel bad. Uh, it really made it really it really tore a chunk of me away. And I, I thought, you know, I, I just those movies they're they're too painful. You know, a lot of people love them. They're like Goblin, and I'm like ah, but it's so painful for me 
because I there are nothing but mistakes when I watch it. But that's because I didn't know anything. I was a kid and I was learning. And that's when you know Dave took me under his wing and started teaching me things about director's lines and about how to you know actually direct a film. I did, I was just a kid with a camera and his friends in the backyard, and we ended up getting our films distributed worldwide. So all those movies, everyone asked me, would you like to revisit those? And I'm like, well. We're going to do a remake of Goblin, but I'm not directing it. I'm just producing it. And uh, Alex is directing it, who's uh, my assistant director in all the movies that I do. Um, talented as hell, and I know that he can do it. The reason I'm having him do that is because I kind of want him to go through the school of hard knocks that I did because it really makes me appreciate what we have now. Um, but um, that's the only one I know. Now, there's a lot of them, like Violent New Breed, I absolutely love. I, but see, that was after 93. Like 93, the, the big change for me was Zombie Bloodbath. And that's the first movie that we all really looked at each other and said, hey, you know, we're really doing something here. Let's make a, let's do the best we can with no money and see what we could do. And we had CNN and NBC and ABC and MTV. I was on the Jon Stewart show. I was on all these, I was on Fox. We had all this support for Zombie Bloodbath. So we decided we're going to try to do, that was our first time. Of course, in our great knowledge of trying to do the best we could and making our first real movie, it was the great flood of 93 and half our locations were underwater. And uh, here in the Midwest, and uh, we had to keep changing the script and rewriting it because we had a deadline to show it in a theater on Halloween. So we were constantly rewriting, and it, 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 it really broke my heart because the flood, I mean, there was literally buildings that were all the way underwater except for the very top, you know, of the building, like maybe a, a couple of feet sticking out of the water. Um, and so we had to like, you know, we had to rewrite and rewrite and the movie's kind of incomprehensible in a couple spots because of that. But it was the first time that we really took it serious and, and still had fun, but tried to do something as an homage to all the Italian zombie movies that we loved. And, uh, <clears throat> so if I did a remake, I might do a remake of that, even though now I think zombies are just not fun like they used to be. See, when we did that, there was no other zombie movies coming out. None in 93. It was dead except for some of the Italian stuff that was kind of filtering over. So that was kind of why we did it, because we wanted to watch a zombie movie and no one was making any. Um, so we made our own. But now it's like zombies are in the quarter machines at Walmart, so I'm just not sure I feel good about that. I'm like, yeah, I think zombies have kind of been played out. But um, I, I always wanted to kind of redo that. I, I know I have a pretty good idea for a sequel to Bone Hill Road that I've got written down. Um, I've never really made much sequels. I've made the zombie bloodbath movies, but if you watch them, each one of them is kind of standalone. They, they don't have to be connected. Um, so those are all sequels in name only. Um, they were just basically concepts about zombies, but <clears throat> bone Hill would be an actual sequel with characters from there. And so would Clownado. I do have an idea for a Clownado too. And if this thing takes off and, and the demand is high enough, then, uh, it could happen. Um, because it's, uh, it's, it's completely, it takes the concept of the first one and it turns it upside down. And all I can tell you is there's, there's, there's one word that describes the finale of it. And that is clownzilla. That's right. Yes. Clownzilla. So it could happen. Please but, uh, make this our, happen. <laughs> our next one is of course, uh, the ballad of Marshall stack and I'm writing it and very excited because it's a revenge. If you can imagine Death Wish mixed with the Devil's Reign and uh, lots of insane over-the-top violence and brutality, that's pretty much what uh, what's happening with this with this movie. So it's uh, it's going to be a, a difficult and it's fun to shoot at the same time. We'll be shooting some of it in Indiana, some of it in Los Angeles, some of it around here and different places. So it's going to be an interesting film um, to do.
and uh, and at the same time, another challenge. I want to continually challenge all of us to to see what we could do. And uh, so far, I'm I'm kind of proud because I don't think we've been failing, even though we have no money. I'm like, guys, look at what we're doing. Please give us twenty two cents. Somebody, please give us twenty two cents so we can add to our budgets. It's like one of those things. But I don't. But uh, Indiegogo is so hard for me because I feel like a beggar on a corner. I hate it. So I'm just like, ah, please, maybe a producer will see these and say. And these guys can do a lot with twelve dollars. Maybe I'll give them twenty-two dollars, and they can really do something. And that's that's what I'm hoping. You know? so, but uh, but yeah, as far as the old movies go, I, I I've learned to let go um, of some of those movies from the past because they're too painful to hold on to uh, for reasons that really sucks, really. But you know, you gotta you gotta kind of gotta move on and let that go and look toward the future. And uh, extreme entertainment is is super bright because we've got some of the most talented people in the United States working with us. And, uh, you know, we got Kate and Eric are part of the family now. And Eric, you know, I don't give him yeah. enough props, I don't think, because Kate kind of overshadows because Satchel is such a larger-than-life, crazy, boob-chewing yeah, character. Okay. But, you know, Eric is uh, Eric's the same way. He's brave as hell. Anything I ask him to do, he doesn't – he would never have a problem with any of it. Plus, he's a hell of a cool guy because, you know – he he knows what we're going through, and so when he's not, you know, in the clown outfit, he's carrying lights. And John's the same way. People in Dylan, we carry cables, we carry lights, we all do whatever we got to do. I mean, everyone has a job title, gaffer, lighting designer, whatever. But there's 50 people doing it. Sound is this guy. But then if that guy's not there that day, or he's doing something else because it had to be done, suddenly Eric's over here doing sound or whoever, because it's mm -hmm. just one of those things where we all pull together as a family. And I run this as a family business so that we can, you know, move forward and, and get these movies done. And, and it, it would be so great if we could just have a little bit of a breakthrough so that I could make sure these guys never had to worry financially. And, you know, I could give them what they deserve for a salary. And, I mean, I've never taken a salary in any movie I've ever done in 30 years. It, I, and I wouldn't take one still. I would give it to them first because they are the life and the backbone of extreme entertainment. And without them, there would be no Todd Sheets directing anything. So that's something that I want people to understand. And also, before I leave here, I need to make sure Daryl Hook right here. Daryl is here. Yeah, Daryl. And, oh, and yeah. Daryl, I tell you what, man, people like Daryl keep us alive because what good is it to, to work so hard to make these movies if no one is out there to enjoy them and to understand and to love them? And people like you that are doing this amazing, you know, podcast, it's like, this is what keeps us alive. And the community out there that loves our films and that understand what we're trying to do and that are not, you know, terrible trolls who just hate everything because they're jealous or whatever their problem is, you guys are what keeps it alive for us because we continue to make movies because you continue to watch them and to help us grow. And you tell us what you love and, and we can we can roll with that. We can create bigger and better and oh man everyone loved this well let's just kind of keep going down that path for a while and see what we can do and it's all about you guys too without you there would be no extreme entertainment either and that's the truth because i'd be directing for nobody and what's the fun in that i mean the whole reason we make film and we 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 take so many sacrifices with our lives and we lose friends and family and people who get mad at us because we spend so much time doing this it without without you guys to do it for 
then there's absolutely no reason to continue doing it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I, I would say I know without Daryl, I never would have came upon your work. So that's what I Darryl, mean. See, that is what I mean. That is that's the magic. And Daryl yeah. is a magical. You know what? That guy's got so much positive energy. You stand next to him, and suddenly you start wanting to jump on a pogo stick. Yeah, it's really true. <laughs> <laughs> He's like this amazing guy. I mean, really. And and you know what? That's the greatest thing in the world about being in extreme entertainment is we have got to go all over the world. And I mean everywhere from Japan to Mexico to the United States to Canada, Germany, Italy. There's people like Daryl. And meeting those people and feeling that energy and feeling that love and support. And I turn that around and I give them the same thing because that to me is very symbiotic. We have to support each other and... Daryl is like, wow. I mean, seriously. I remember I was at a convention recently, and I sent him a little message because he couldn't be there. And he was so upset about not being there. So I made sure there was a friend of his there, and I sent him a little message on the phone, on the cell phone, to let him know. I was like, man, we really wish you were here, you know. And it's really true because without that, there's, there's no reason for it. We're not alive anymore. You know what I mean? The, people like Daryl keep us alive. And just like you said, you found out about us because of him. And that's how a lot of people are. Like, I get, a, I get letters from Germany. Yeah, I found out about your movie by this guy who runs this film festival, and he brought your movies in, and I got to watch them. And all my friends and I love it, and blah, blah. And that, that's how you keep it rolling. And then they find out that we really do care about it. They find out that we're not just in this for the money or for the wrong reasons. I'm here because I love doing it. I've lost a lot. I, I even lost my home at one point because I love doing this so much. And I'm so damn, I'm such a dork, and I refuse to say no. I refuse to let it die. And this is what it's about. And so I have, you know, sacrificed a lot because I love doing this because I genuinely love it in my heart. And that's the way everyone on this show is right now. Everyone here does this because they love it with all their hearts, or else they wouldn't be here. Amen. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. Exactly. So I, I, I do feel like Clownado will be the one to propel you guys further. And all these uh, reviews and reports are saying the same thing. I mean, I, I would say you with Sharknado now being done, maybe sci-fi should give it a crack, see what happens. Obviously, they would have to edit a lot of it. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, I was, I was actually talking to someone from there. I actually talked to a guy that approached me from there and wanted to take a look at it, and I, I let him take a look at it, and the, the first thing that we both said was, it's going to be a half an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> but but you, you know, weirder things have happened. I mean, you could get away with a lot now after a certain time period, I've noticed. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Maybe things can happen. Um, maybe not uh, nudity-wise. I mean, I think that's still pretty much a no-no. Um, but in the way of everything else, who, who knows? A 10 o'clock premiere on Sci-Fi Channel? It, it could be the biggest push ever. Well, I was pretty excited because Comcast took Bonehill Road, and it's now on demand. It just started, uh, like last week is when they started it for Comcast. And that's a big deal for us too, because that's one of the nation's largest cable suppliers. And they took Bonehill Road. Walmart took Bonehill Road. Walmart's already given us a tentative yes for Clownado. 
So there, there are, there's people that it is getting out there to the mass audiences, which is both a blessing and a curse. Cause sometimes those guys don't understand low budget filmmaking and you get yeah. some hate mail. But <laughs> other than that, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and it's because like you said, things have changed a little and people are more open to, to new ideas and to graphic gore and things, things like that. But at the same time, I like to think that with extreme entertainment, we always kind of have a story and we try to cross over into a new area um, and bring, maybe bring some of that crazy to a larger audience. That's what, you know, that's our goal. And uh, just to maybe just have a party with everyone. Let's take everyone along on this ride called Clownado. Let's take everyone and pile them on the NATO and head on down the road together. And let's see if we can have some. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm definitely open for sequels to that. And, and I, I'm about time for me to go, but I want to tell you guys, um, thank you for having me here. And, and as far as my team that's here, you guys, the family, you know, I love you guys very much with all my heart. You know that. And, uh, and, and with all my soul, and I couldn't do it without you guys. Seriously. We love you. Too. We love you. Yes. yes. Thank you very much, Todd. Uh, obviously, you have a full-time supporter in Daryl. You have one yes. in myself as well. Um, thank you. I was very honored to meet you at Texas Frightmare for the times that I did, and uh, I very much look forward to everything you bring out now. Well, man, as well you as ever everyone back, else you know? in here. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And if you ever want me to come back on, just let me know. I'll be here. I will definitely do that. All right. You guys take care. Daryl, take care of yourself. You too, Todd. Bye, right. Todd. I Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. I love you, Todd. I love you too, buddy. <laughs> I don't think you understand. I really love you. <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> John's love goes to a whole other level. That's right. Big Ronnie. Oh boy. <laughs> Take care guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> oh. So so John, we we have to know, do you prefer the janitor or Big Ronnie? Cuz the janitor oh. was also a very much different character. Oh, I of course I love the uh the Big Ronnie character the most. Um I mean, at the end of the at the end of uh, of uh, Ouija Death Trap, I got to be pretty psychotic. That was okay, but I had to act pretty normal throughout the whole thing. Um, with with Big Ronnie, I got to just be myself. I know that sounds crazy and weird, but I, I actually got to be myself and just amplify it and and be as crazy as I wanted to. So yeah, uh, Big Ronnie would be my pick. <laughs> All right. Clownado rules. I mean, that, that movie just rules. So that, that's it. It's really hard for me to say that I was I enjoyed anything other than that movie because it it's amazing. And I want to say something about Dylan and Kate. They they have such huge fans. They have such a huge following. They don't even know about because a lot of stuff is is verbal. But guys ask about it all, all the time. And I just wanted to let them know that they have a huge huge following more than they ever would know. So I, I love both of their characters. Um, they 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 do such an amazing job, and I, it was a pleasure working with both. Oh, thanks, John. It's always fun working with you, John. I, I <laughs> yeah, know, I, I know you were crazy, it, and that's the thing is no one no one else saw that John was still crazy big Ronnie outside of set, and he would just goof <laughs> off the the whole time um, behind the scenes and everything. So he definitely, I don't know how he had all the energy that he had behind the scenes, but he would go freaking nuts afterwards and it was, it made it fun and entertaining. 
I think you were shocked one time when I farted. We were in the middle of the <laughs> We were about to get hit by a car, and, and you really were like, you just farted? Yeah, I just farted. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that's part of my, uh, that's my exhaust system for all the energy, if, if you were wondering, yeah. So. <laughs> that's that's what fart, it is. Fart regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Daryl, uh, questions? I got at least one question for everybody. Uh, go for it. All right, uh, John. You're, uh, I don't know if you're a gamer or not, but you're, uh, the laugh for Big Ronnie reminds me a lot of the Circus of Value vending machines from Bioshock. Yeah. Is there, is there any inspiration or is that just a fucking coincidence? Uh, I, that, that is a coincidence. And let me go ahead and give it to you. <laughs> I think someone asked me and 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 when we were in uh, California to do that laugh while we were in the theater. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, that I I have no, uh, I'm not really sure where that laugh came from. I'm not sure that I've ever done it before. Yeah, I think it is just genuinely Big Ronnie's laugh. Okay, and uh, that's just where that came from. I can definitely, definitely hear the resemblance though. Now that you brought it up, because I freaking love the love those games, so I definitely can hear it now. Yeah, I'm going to hear it now every time I go to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually be the voice for that that game, but I'm not going to bring it. All right, and for Kate, um, did all the clowns get along on set, or was like filming sometimes interrupted by you know like squirting flour and balloon animal fights? <laughs> I think I think most of the the clowns you know got along in their in their own way, especially when you have um, such crazy characters. You have this uh, group of insanity together. It works in some messed up psychotic manner. It somehow does. <laughs> So, but it, in all honesty, though, it was so much fun being on there, being able to to goof off and, you know, play that character. Satchel actually is my favorite character I've ever played of all time. And I freaking, I just absolutely love her. I love that I got to play this just crazy character who just has fun with her victims and likes to, you know, make jokes about it and stuff. So with all that, it was it was just so much fun. And everybody actually got along really really well okay and then a follow-up question actually um look at my perfect clown titties was that ad-libbed or was that scripted um i don't i i don't remember to be honest with you i it was probably in the script or it could have been something that like todd came up with like right on the spot because he would do that he'd be like okay kate i want you to go ahead and do this and say this and we're just gonna see how it goes I remember reading it in the script. Yeah, I think yeah, there were there was another scene though where I know that he had added he had actually added a scene in the diner. And the uh, diner. When we were messing yeah, when we were messing with Rachel. Oh yeah. And he added some lines there. I was like, Cool, we'll go for it. We'll we'll have fun with it. Yeah, that, that uh, diner scene is actually quite a shock to me. Um, uh, during, <laughs> during, during that shooting, uh, all of a sudden, this something happened that was non-scripted, or uh, unscripted, and uh, 
So here I am in the middle of that, and uh, and Amanda <laughs> is looking at me the whole time like, John's going to react. John's going to lose his time. And it was like I did 1,000 sit-ups because I was trying to hold my real laughter in during this. Uh, but she once she gave me that look, it was like, because John is in the middle of something here. And I mean, anyways, it was edited differently. So uh, uh, <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Amanda kept making me laugh, too, because she kept staring over. <laughs> her, her look was so funny. <laughs> I think he ended up. Yeah, I think he ended up changing some of it. Like he just took bits and pieces out of that scene. But it was still. Well, yeah, that was whole part was out. <laughs> Oh, and then the cop showed up. Yeah, that yeah, was, that was hilarious. <laughs> Nothing like the cops showing up on set in their vests, you know, because they think there's a, a dead body outside when really someone forgot to cover up the feet of the fake body with the tarp. <laughs> I feel like that's been happening a lot lately. Like the cops just show up on horror film sets, not know what's going on, and then I mean, they just—you know—with today's day and age, you never know. Yeah. I feel like it happened with a big budget film because no one told the officers on duty that they were setting off explosions. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So they they yeah, thought it was kind of a big actual deal. threat. Well, one day I was on Facebook and Dylan was sharing pictures of like SWAT teams and oh yeah, police and all these people swarming in. And Dylan's like, "I'm taking a selfie." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. All the cops are kind of behind her, looking at her. Oh, hey. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> it was too good to not pass up. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every part of Conado was absolutely a pleasure to be a part of. I don't think anybody did not enjoy being a part of this movie. And we all mm -hmm. knew that something magical was happening during the creation of this film. And we were all drawn together to make Clownado and to make it the best it could possibly be. And we're lucky to have Top Jeets who brought us all in. And everybody was cast. Uh, Jeremy Todd was cast as the as the as the scientist nerd that chases us around in the Storm Chaser. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Millie Milan uh, was part of his team. Just absolutely people who were who were built to make these things. Uh, everybody who uh, uh, Bobby Westbrook, who was who was Dylan's sidekick, basically is what I call him. He uh, he was cast <laughs> perfectly for, for his part. His little Harrison Port Ford part, uh, and you know Elvis in this movie. I, I a lot of the older teenage boys are are, are his hugest fans, and and the, and early twenties men. They 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 love Antoine Steele in this part, and they're all going to dress up like him as in this Halloween. They're all going to be uh, the Elvis from Clownado. It's it's absolutely <laughs> cool. We're, we're, everybody's going to find their. They're uh, they're they're part of this movie that they're going to want to be a fan of, that they're going to want to connect to, and people across the nation, across the world, are going to watch this movie, whether they like it or not, whether they think it's the greatest movie ever. People are just going to love Clownado. They're going to talk about it and they're going to watch it. 
it, it, it's something that I want to watch regularly. And I think I want to share with everyone. And that's what I'm hearing. And that's what I'm seeing. So I hope everyone just enjoys Clownado as much as Daryl has. And I, and Daryl's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm say, what's your count up to right now, Daryl? 100? 34. 34. Oh, you're beating me. <laughs> <laughs> watched this 34 times. Yeah, I've watched it 34 times. That's awesome. <laughs> I was I've only unfortunately watched it once because I don't I was have a say, copy. I've only yet. seen it once. I don't have a copy either. I want a uh, copy because I want to show people. I was say, I'm I'm patiently waiting for my copy to come in from the crowdfunding. And then I'll buy two more copies when it physically comes out. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to give them as Christmas gifts this year. Hell yeah. Uh, to, to everybody I know. And, and everybody is actually expecting them as Christmas gifts this year. My whole family. <laughs> They're like, oh, we know what John's going to give us. Uh, an autographed picture of himself and Clonado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to frame the photo, too. Huh? You have to frame the photo as well. Oh, yeah. I want him to hang it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It's your, your show, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doug. I have one more. I have one question for Dylan also. This, I'm sorry, but this one's a little generic, but I, I don't know. I was tired and I ran out of questions. Um, <laughs> what's been the, out of all the movies that you've done for Todd, what has been the favorite role that you've played and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably uh, Abaddon from Dreaming Purple Neon. Um, that was the most, didn't have very many lines, you know, hardly. But there was a lot of work that went into that. Um, just so much blood drenched in it from head to toe. And just getting to work with the, with, um, Oh man, I can't remember her name now. I feel bad, but uh, she was with me in uh, Bone Hill Road. She was the girl that was being sacrificed that I had to come up through, and it was quite yeah. the experience working with her under the table and all that. And I was, was kept asking her if she was going to be okay because I'm just like pretty much naked in between this 14 year old girl's legs, you know, and it, it wasn't very comfortable at all. But <laughs> it was the most experienced stuff I'd ever done coming up and out of this little makeshift uh, skin that we had. That was just, I don't know, that was a lot of fun right there. That was the most experience I had gotten with them because uh, Amanda's and the crawler that I did for her was the very first time I ever worked with them. Great. And, then, uh, and then we did the muse and that was a lot of fun too. That was a lot of hard work and being drenched in blood. But when I got to do the queen, that was just like, wow, this is like very cool. I had a, an entire costume that was built for me. I had just a lot of stuff that had to go into that character. And yeah, it was only, you know, a few segments or whatever, but it was, it was very, very fun. And having pink hair for two weeks, it's great too afterwards. Cause my hair is so bright blonde that it's changed <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> I actually enjoyed that. <laughs> I really liked your character in Bone Hill. I did too. And then that, the transformation sequence, though, like, yeah, I was I like, just, oh, that's so freaking awesome. You never see a female transformation. So. I was just going to say, the transformation would have to be right up there with my favorites because, again, that's the, the most extensive work. Like, I did with Abaddon and then happened to do mm -hmm. all that makeup 
but the I think that's what it would be. The, whatever has to do with entire face full of makeup would be my favorite thing to do. Whether it was in Dreaming Purple Neon or Bone Hill Road, because I don't know. I just love the whole changing into something else completely. You know, that's my favorite. So it's really hard to say. I don't. I guess I don't really have a favorite movie per se. So I would have to go with physicals of whatever I'm changing into. A whole new character would be my favorite thing. So okay. Is there? Is there a worst part for you for like the makeup, whether it be the time consuming or like a prosthetic that you just want to like rip off? <laughs> um. Like with like with Bone Hill with the transformation, like you had the fingernails, um, no, you no, had the fur. The fingernails was the worst. With, and I'm glad you brought that up because I almost forgot about that. I don't know how I'd forget about that. But the fingernails would be the worst because uh, the lady who did the makeup um, super glued the fingernails on instead of using nail glue. And I was stuck Holy with... Holy hell. Yeah, I was, they were long. They were big. They were big nails. Mm -hmm. were super glued because she didn't use the right glue. And they were stuck on my fingers for like the entire weekend. And I was in tears trying to figure out how to get them off and still salvage them because I didn't want to ruin them. They came from, uh, I think he said London or something. So I was trying really hard to get them off without tearing them. And finally, he sent me a message and said, hey, don't worry about it. If you have to rip the nails off, go ahead and get them off. Don't worry about it. Your, your health comes first, you know. So I was freaking out. It was like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning trying to figure out how to get these things off. And I still had to go to work on Monday. <laughs> and I had to use a computer and type. And I can't do that if you got Ten and <laughs> yeah. so have to type one finger at a time. <laughs> I did find a way uh, to get them off without ruining them, so I was actually able to salvage them. I just used Jeff had gone and got some uh, acetone, regular acetone, and I just took a Q-tip and I let it drip, just slowly drip, and I just kind of just a little chipped at it, a little bits at a time, and that's how I got them off. Just so very time consuming, but it worked. So at least it got off. So I would say the nails was the worst part on Bone Hill Road. Even though the, the makeup was hard coming off with Joe, uh, and it did rip some of my skin a little bit, but it wasn't like skin ripping. Like I didn't take no skin off. It was just like a really strong Band-Aid. But I think the nails were definitely the worst. All right. Well, I would say, I guess the last question for me is, other than... Clownado. What is everyone's favorite uh, movie from Todd? House of Forbidden Secrets. I freaking love that movie. Right. My favorite. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved House of Forbidden Secrets a lot because of the, I mean, the people that are in that are Mm -hmm. out of this world and they super draw you in uh, I mean like Lloyd Kaufman's in this movie Alan Kaiser's in this movie I mean the people that are in that movie who are just super actors and super famous and uh, who are endearing are, are really really good um, uh, I like the end of Sleepless Nights the last 10 minutes I think that's an awesome movie uh, I don't know if anybody's seen that yet, but it's an anthology film. Yeah, I was actually just talking to Daryl about it the other day. 
because I got, or I was talking with Dylan too, because I was sending you pictures from it. <laughs> and um, I had just watched the uh, the skit that Antoine wrote, where he's almost like Afro Samurai. Yeah. And then Dylan is his like zombie pet. I'm just like, oh my god, this is great. It was, it was fun to watch. Zombie <laughs> Yeah. And then it gets to the next scene where Dylan is in the bar and she's like, I don't remember wearing a pink bra. I'm like, oh, is there? <laughs> that didn't look like me because I don't see a pink bra. And it was weird because like, I'm there on the phone with everyone and my fiance just looks at me and she's like, who the hell are you texting? I'm like, texting Dylan. And she looks at the screen and be like, oh my god, I know her. I'm like, that's right, you do. <laughs> the toilet queen. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, that's her Jason goes to hell moment right there. <laughs> um, right. I, was so nerve-wracked. I was so nervous on the, the crawler because, like I said, it was my first one to do with them. And the first time I had a good set of lines to learn, the really one of my very first roles, so, so I was just so freaking nervous the entire time. I'm sure it shows, but it was fun. It was great. I would totally do it again. Awesome. Well, I was at you may in this next film that Todd does, so. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. He's only given me a small detail, and that's just the fact that he's going to have me play a villain. That's all he said to me so far, so I'm just like, okay. Oh, so are you talking about, is it, Dylan, is it valid? Uh-huh, yeah. Alan Marshall Stack. Okay, I'm in that one as well, but yeah, I can't disclose anything either. Yeah. <laughs> so I can the, what he said to you today, and that's it. Just that he's going to have me as a villain. <laughs> John, does that mean we'll see you in Ballad? I have not been asked to be in the Ballad of Marshall Stack. I don't think I'm actually going. I don't think I'm being cast in it. Some a bitch. That is. No. I would say he, he did tell me he did tell me he wasn't a hundred percent sure, or like he wasn't done with with everything because he's still writing it. Yeah, he's still writing. I would say he he was working on it when I saw him at Friday. Mm-hmm. So, because I was the friend that got Daryl his video and his poster, which eventually I know both him and myself would like to have all of you sign our Clownado posters at one point. Yeah, love love to. Yeah, definitely one. So. One of these days, I want to make it out to like Frightmare and and all of those other conventions because we typically only go to the one here, the big one here in Florida. But I would like to go to other conventions outside of Florida. <laughs> I was, I, I would love to see all of you uh, up here in Ohio uh, for Simo Wasteland. That's fun. the one I, I really want to go to. Yeah, because I, you know there's actually a lot of people that ask me if I'm going and I'm like, I, one of these days I'll make it up there. Just timing. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I always have fun there. I know I'm going to be there again this October when they do their Martin reunion. So I'm excited for that. Cool. Um, so yeah, I guess this will take us to our ratings part. Um, I don't think it's going to come to a surprise anyone. Daryl, would you like to give your rating for Clownado? Oh, on a scale of one to ten? On a what scale one to ten? It's easily a twelve. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Two bonus Thank points. You so <laughs> Thank you. All right, and for myself, this is my first 
10 of the year. Oh, wow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So we appreciate it. Thank you. So, yes. So, with, whenever in September, all you listeners, go out, buy this movie. Help our friends out. Because, I mean, we want to see more Clownados. <laughs> and I'm kind of looking at you, Universal. Do the right thing and put it on sci-fi. <laughs> That would be so awesome. Join us. Yes, join us all. (laughs) So, until next time, I am Brian the Wolfman Strang. Uh, Mr. Meat Hook, hopefully we will have you back on the show sometime. I would love to be. As as well as you, Miss Dylan, thank you for joining us after that fight with everything (laughs) technology-wise tonight. Well, thank you for having me. And yes, I would love to come back on anytime. Listen, I know how to do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, same goes to you, John. Only this time I will tell you clothing is optional. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an outsider, outside of everything. Well, I'm an outsider.